To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Thank you and enjoy the program. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by PB and Joey. Simple, honest, and delicious. Go to pbandjoey.com for more information. $35 or more gets you free shipping. That's pbandjoey.com for more information. pbandjoey.com. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by poppycroc.com. All your fake news in bite-sized portions. Go to poppycroc.com for more information. Poppycroc.com. Hey everyone, here's a great way to support this website and make money for yourself. This is Robinhood, the app that makes investing easier and offers more ways to make your money work harder. Their goal, investing in financial markets more affordable, more intuitive, and more fun, no matter how much experience you have or don't have. Keep a broker in your back pocket. Everything you need to manage your assets and all available in a single app. Set up customized news and notifications to stay on top of your assets as casually or as relentlessly as you like. Controlling the flow of info is up to you. Have access to stocks, funds, options, cash management, and cryptocurrency. Make unlimited commission-free trades in stocks, funds, and options with Robinhood Financial. The same goes for buying and selling cryptocurrencies with Robinhood Crypto and zero commission fees. Also introducing cash management. Invest, spend, and earn all through your brokerage account. Secure a spot on the waitlist and reserve your card. Here's what I want you to do. Go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate and when you click on the referral banner and securely sign up either using your Android, Apple device, or desktop, you get a share of stock value between $3 and $150 after funding your account. That's all you got to do. You get a free stock. I get a free stock. We all win. Trading terms and conditions still apply. See Robinhood.com for more information. Once again, go to PositiveSarcasm.com slash donate, click on the Robinhood referral banner, and claim your free stock. Robinhood, it's time to do money. You don't like me, Bond. You don't like my methods. You think I'm an accountant. A bean counter more interested in my numbers than your instincts. The thought had occurred to me. Good. Because I think you're a sexist, misogynist dinosaur. A relic of the Cold War whose boyish charms, though wasted on me, obviously appeal to that young woman I sent out to evaluate you. Point taken. Not quite, 007. If you think for one moment I don't have the balls to send a man out to die, your instincts are dead wrong. I've no compunction about sending you to your death, but I won't do it on a whim, even with your cavalier attitude towards life. I want you to find Goldeneye, find who took it, what they plan to do with it, and stop it. And if you should come across Uramov, guilty or not, I don't want you running off on some kind of vendetta. Avenging Alec Trevelyan will not bring him back. You didn't get him killed. Neither did you. Don't make it personal. Never. Bond? Come back alive. Jay here, PositiveSarcasm.com, not streaming live from the Spare Parts Studios once again. High winds have sidelined the stream, so we are doing a pre-recorded. Just to let you know that the large corporate companies don't give a shit about you, but that's okay. I am still here for you twice a week, 
And of course, I will always respond to all your emails, questions, concerns, or comments, unless you're just going to shit on me for not being vegan. In that case, go fuck yourself. That guy was a stupid asshole. I had last week's podcast, I got a reaction from somebody, some ass clown, when I talked about the, the girlfriend there who had uh, sat down with her half African American, you know, whatever, half black, half African American uh, husband, a uh, boyfriend's uh, 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 family. And said to the mother that uh, being vegan is the same thing as the civil rights movement. And uh, now the family won't talk to her because she said something incredibly stupid. I got some backlash from somebody from the vegan community. And I can tell you right now, you can kiss my ass. So, yeah, I left those comments up there. But uh, for my, you can go, to, there's a comment up there from some vegan fuckface. So you can go to my uh, my last clippy clip on my YouTube channel, which is Positive Sarcasm Podcast. You can also find me on Instagram at Positive underscore Sarcasm, Facebook.com slash POS Sarcasm, and, of course, TikTok at Positive Sarcasm. I hope you guys are uh, 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 riding the wave of the stock market crash right now. Don't worry. It'll perk up in the end as long as you bought low enough. Right now, I'm on my 172th cup of coffee. Uh, good news. Oh, right, right. Uh, it has been said that I have too many computers. And I'm actually starting to argue that point back. Right now, I have, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine computers. One that's not actually active at the moment, mainly because it's a Linux-based system and I don't use it. I did talk about a, couple, a computer that I, I just was upgrading, but apparently the computer was... The processor is so slow that there's just... No way, even though it was built in the last 10 years, there's just no way I can get it to be up to date because it was that cheaply piece of shit type of, am I even recording? Yeah, I'm recording. Uh, processor that it just can't keep up with, I mean, even 720p, which was built, that was, 720p was re reintroduced in, introduced in the early 2000s. Still can't do that through YouTube. So I was thinking, what the hell am I going to do with this thing? I didn't want to make it some arcade game machine that I couldn't, that I was hardly ever going to play. However, I did find a use for it, and a rather practical one. Here's the kicker. A lot of the times when you're converting Apple computers to Windows, or you're, comp or you're actually installing a new hard drive into a, yeah, we're going to go right off, I'm going to go with what I know, because I'm pretty pissed off right now uh, about the internet. I'm doing literally everything via my cell phone. But uh, in the meantime, let me continue with this topic that I know really well and is going to keep me laser focused on this hour long podcast. Okay, you have an image computer. So, for example, say you're taking like a computer within the last 10 years, you want to make it faster. There's two things that you do. Number one, you upgrade the RAM, as much RAM as you can put, whether between 4, 8, 12, or 16. Those are the magic numbers. Uh, and okay, most, most preferably, you want between 8 and and 16. Those are your two numbers. If you're going to go with 12, you might as well go with 16. If if you have a 64-bit computer, with most, like, most likely you will, you go 8 gigs of RAM. That's easy. That's going to cost you 30 bucks, no problems. All right. The second thing you do is upgrade the a hard drive. Most hard drives, still a large proportion of hard drives are old disky ones that you spin, that, that you know, they have disks in them and they spin. Okay. Easy fix. 30 bucks, 40 bucks, you go and get yourself an SSD drive, solid state drive. I've talked about this several times. That's the second thing you do. All right, cool. How do you do that? Well, it's simple. You just, you go through, you can download, um, there's instructions online, everywhere online, on how to install a free version of Windows 7 or Windows 10. It's really, it's either, it's really cheap, if not free. I do it all the time. 
I do it for clients constantly. Here's the kicker. All right, so normally you unscrew, if it's like a laptop, normally if it's a laptop, this is where the issue comes in. If you buy a used or new, doesn't matter, uh, uh, SSD drive, you install that, you just pop it in, you unscrew your laptop, there's like a couple bolt, a couple screws, you pop it off, boom, there's the thing, you take the old hard drive out, throw, throw it in the trash, I don't give a shit, you pop in the new SSD drive, it looks like a little, it's like a, it's like a thicker version of a credit card, so you, and you pop that in there, and then you screw it back in, boom, turn on the computer, sometimes this happens, you get this, uh, when you have your jump drive, and you're installing Windows for the first time, it says this thing where there's no drivers found, so, okay, this is an issue I was running into with a lot of the installs for my SSD drives. Instead of, focus, instead of focusing on trying to figure out what the drives were and all other bullshit, I found a simple method of just copying Windows into the hard drive and installing it directly. Super easy. So I took that computer that I was having all this slow poke issues with and I made it a, a co an image computer. A, a ghost machine, basically. So what I did was, I would take the, the hard drive that was having that I I would take the new hard drive, install it into this desktop, install Windows on it, and then once it, Windows was installed, take it out of that computer, put it into the laptop. Works every time. So what I'm going to use this computer for now on going forward is simply to install Windows 7 or install Windows 10 or to install Ubuntu Linux whichever hard drive the client prefers or whichever computer I get, and then I'm going to take it, install Windows on it, and pop it into the laptop or the desktop that I'm having the driver issue with. And boom, it's a simple, pro it's a simple task. It's a simple process that saves me a ton of time, and time is of the essence. Time is super important to me. I'm, I have to be, I'm always trying to be more efficient with my time. So this is what the computer is going to be used for, and it's you know what? It's a very uh, important piece. It's a, a very important thing to not because I will go fucking insane over this one little thing. It's the stupidest little thing. It's usually the stupidest things that drive me up the fucking wall. And this and this one thing is really really annoying to me is the fact that I it's a simple process. But it can drive me off the rails of the project that I'm trying to be time on task with. So now I can just take this computer. All I do is it's just a, this computer that I'm, I'm using to image win, copies of Windows with. It's just a box with a tiny little, uh, 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 you know, fucking, what do you call it? It's just a, it's like an 8 by 11 motherboard. And it's got one, it's got two cords coming on it, off of it. And I literally can just open it up, pop off the drive pop a new one on and just continue that process every time I have a new laptop that gives me shit like that. And that's it. It's it's just a simple process. It makes me feel good to know that I have a mach that machine now has a purpose in life despite the fact that its original purpose has now was never really that great to begin with and this computer was sadly designed to be a piece of shit throwaway that eventually was going to get thrown off the roof. But it now has a purpose. I feel good about that. And because that computer has a job, another com another really nice laptop has been brought back to life. That makes me really feel really really good. So, and if you have more questions about how the f what the fuck I'm talking about, or the 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 process of how I figured this out, or what just concerns about, or if you have concerns about laptops that you want to computers that you want to bring back to life. 
because nowadays people are really looking to utilize the most of what they have due to the economy. Just email me, positivesarcasm at outlook.com, or you can just go to my, my website, positivesarcasm.com, click on the contact button, and just any questions or comments, concerns, email me there. You can contact me there. I'll get it right away. Unless I'm asleep, then I'll get you in the morning. Anyways, uh, positive sarcasm, this is the most profitable year so far. Despite all the shit that's been going on, positive sarcasm, this is the most most profitable year for this company, for this website, for me in general. So everything's been going for the, in that regard really, really well. Um, and I've been able to diversify my projects and my concepts enough where the tentacles have reached out enough to put out enough feelers out there for clients to be interested in all kinds of different aspects of uh, things that I can offer them, whether it's just computer repair or 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 or, or uh, uh, feature at work or wedding work or um, audio work, posing music, all that stuff. So any of that stuff that I can do, it, it's great, and it's putting it's bringing funding to the website, which is awesome, which allows me to uh, send m money to other uh, upstarts. Like, for example, uh, poppycroc.com is a new website that I didn't even create. I just discussed it with the creator of the website, and he wanted to create an, uh, a bite-sized uh, a website that was based on making bite-sized fake, fake news. Silly shit that you could read, laugh about, share with your buddies, and move on with the day. Move on for the day. Um, and I was like, great. I, I don't have time to create to add blogs. I don't have time to write articles really anymore or blogs. I write a little bit every now and then, but that's it. But I don't have to, I'm not, if I can't do it for my site, I can't contribute to his site. However, I can do other things like consult and review and do other things that can help his site out. And I really like the layout of it. I think it's probably some of his best work. And I'm down now because positive sarcasm is making money. After years of taking it on the chin, I have enough money where I can fund that help fund that website as well and bring help maybe bring that site more traffic. And that makes me feel good despite all the shit that I have to deal with, uh, whether it's the internet issue or other things socially that are driving me nuts. I can help him out with that despite everything. As long and you know what's funny? People need to fucking listen to me a lot more. They really do. That's what angers me the most is when people don't fucking listen to me. So if you guys would start listening to me a little bit more, I can offer you really a lot of advice on all different aspects of life, except for anger management. That's the, probably the only thing I can't really help you out with because that's a mental block that I'm still trying to deal with it. But the reason I have anger management is because everybody else are a bunch of fucking idiots. That's the reason I have anger management problems because knowing when I walk out that door, I'm going to deal with stupid the moment I get in my car. Uh, so that's the one thing. However, if you have questions about anything, you can email me directly. Even if it's nutrition advice, I can help you out. Trust me, I can help you out. Speaking of, okay, now I mentioned on Sunday's podcast, only I got some delicious cup of coffee I got to sip on. Mm. All right, let's get right after it. Okay, I spoke about taking large companies to task on my, uh, starting on Sunday, how I'm going to start taking really large companies to task. Large corporate companies who don't give a shit about the consumer. All right. So I've already taken Comcast to task. And has Comcast responded positively to this situation? No. Comcast still is a huge thumbs down. They're a horrible company. Fuck everything they stand for. Ticketmaster. 
I discussed Ticketmaster in last week's podcast. They don't give a shit about the consumer. They never did. So fuck, Com- uh, fuck Ticketmaster and everything that they stand for. All right. This company, I haven't said fuck them and everything they stand for how yet, but I am taking them to task for something they did, which was very, very stupid. Very, very poor decision on their part to bypass the creative genius that is composer Mick Gordon. If you don't know who Mick Gordon is, uh, I'm actually going to play one of his tracks at the end of this podcast. As you know, I generally throw in a good, a decent tune, something I may listen to from time to time at the end of this podcast. Mick, compo- Mick Gordon is a video game composer. He's and he is a he's very good with instruments. He's very uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, in, what is it? Experimental, but he doesn't hold back. He's he's an Australian lad, um, a little skinny dude, but really is passionate about his creative work. And I first uh, got a got an idea of who he was when they had that like e-game convention or whatever, some type of video game awards shit. And he was doing the soundtrack to Doom, the new version of Doom, which came out in 2016. And he had the song, he had the two songs called Rip and Tear and BFG Division. If you got, I mean, this is Doom lore, but okay, let's try to get to the bottom of this. He made a soundtrack for a video game, which is unlike anything else I've ever experienced in my life when it comes to video games. You can tell when something is very, when a, vi- a song you hear is very video gamey. But this was the first time that a soundtrack had broken that mold and burst its way into the heavy metal genre as some of the best heavy metal I've ever heard. So he took that whole concept and, f- and flipped it on its fucking head with this soundtrack of digital electronic noise. Shit that sounded like Nine Inch Nails when they first started coming up, when they didn't like Nine Inch Nails, Ministry, like industrial metal at its best. Well, it's also another thing to create the songs and things like that and to do the music. It's another thing to mix it. So he joined forces with id Software, which created Wolfenstein 3D and Doom. And he also, and then there was the publisher. Everybody has a publisher. ID, um, publishers are, for example, EA Sports, Bethesda, Blizzard, those big companies. They're the ones who publish the games. So Bethesda allowed Mick Gordon uh, to do all the mixing, to basically touch every aspect of, the, of each song for the official soundtrack of the album for Doom in 2016 and the reaction was insane people were fell in love with mick gordon as soon as they heard the riffs that were going to this game and a lot of people would say and uh myself included that the soundtrack made the game because it was so hyper aggressive so hyper aggressive it was raw it was uh unrelenting so that what he did so what he did was nothing short of magical. Matter of fact, I don't know why he didn't win like a fucking video game Emmy or uh what do you call it? What's that? Yeah, the the what's that shit for 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 um for for when you go to like the music awards or whatever. He should have won one of those. However, the idea that um however, the fact is okay, so he they did that, Bethesda did that. Bethesda did that. 
they let him mix and compose all that stuff for Doom 2016. Well, most likely there was going to be a sequel to Doom 2016. And it came out this year after being delayed for about three or four months. And it was Doom Eternal. And the reaction so far to Doom Eternal's previews, the trailers and all that other stuff, the E3 uh, launch trailer, has been insane. And they, everybody was hoping that uh, Mick Gordon was going to return to do the soundtrack for Doom Eternal. And indeed, he did. He returned hard. The some of the initial soundtracks that you were hearing that were kind of ripped off the internet, or you maybe maybe heard a little bit in the in the in the trailers, were um, basically Mick Gordon esque. I mean, really, you could hear like, "Oh, this is gonna be dope!" Everybody couldn't wait for the soundtrack and stuff like that. But what happened was, is Bethesda as t- Mick Gordon mixed about ten of the soundtracks, and I don't know a lot about mixing because I'm not an audio guy per se. I'm I'm an I mean I do posing music and I do mix the podcast myself and I do uh, other things here that are in the audio genre but as far as being an audiophile like Mick Gordon is that's his thing that's his creative genius that's the thing where he dives in the most and generally speaking if you have somebody who is that in depth with all that entire thing you kind of want to let them mix it all and do it all themselves. You kind of want to leave them be. If they've already proven to you that they're that good, you want them to do it all yourself. You don't want to hire a third party to come in there and butcher it. The problem was is that Bethesda did apparently exactly that. So Mick Gordon mixed 10 of the songs. There's like 30 of them on the actual soundtrack. What happened was... was another audio engineer hired by Bethesda or Bethesda's audio engineering team went in and mixed some of Mick's tracks. And apparently from the audiophile community, that was not a good thing. That was not a good thing at all, and it pissed Mick Gordon off. You don't fuck with genius. Not at all. You don't fuck with genius. And the idea that they did that, they basically went and butchered, because when you you can... That's the difference between having a good song or a good video or a good movie, good to great, great to epic. Somebody else got involved with his creativity and fucked it all up. And we're still trying to parse through it. I mean, we're still trying to parse through. I have the article, actually. Let's see. Here's the article right here. I picked one. This is one PC Gamer, a reliable source. Doom Eternal's official soundtrack wasn't composed by, wasn't mixed by its composer, and you can tell. So I'm going to try to... I'm going to go through this article actually so you can get an idea of what happens when you fuck with creativity. I should have got to it earlier, but uh, yeah. Well, anyways, here is the actual article. Uh, Quite the looker. If you've been listening to the soundtrack and trying to figure out why it sounds off compared to its predecessor, audio blogger, blah, blah, blah. uh, Comparing BFG Division from 2016 with the Doom Eternal version, they found some notable differences in the track's wavelengths. All right. Interesting. Yeah, wavelengths. So mixing it down. Here's a comparison between BFG Division was a song from the original Doom soundtrack versus the BFG 2020 remix on Doom Eternal soundtrack from today. Right. Notice how the wavelengths in the 2020 version form a perfectly straight bar versus the original with more definition. Okay. The audio file goes on to explain that the new version features less dynamic range between instruments, resulting in smoother wavelengths and making the instruments all compete for your ear's attention. Thankfully, it's still a killer original soundtrack, 
even with the questionable mix and should be a treat for the old eardrums even when the stream via the likes of Spotify where the quality has been reduced. The version is due in the coming, that version is due in the coming weeks, but perhaps not all that could have been. Gordon responded offering an explanation. He didn't mix that track. Apparently a composer, the composer mixed a small handful of them, 10 to be exact, I believe, which haven't been com as compressed. Every time you compress a file, the quality goes down. If you compress video to save space in your computer, the quality of the video decreases. When you take like a 4K video and you upload it to, to uh, YouTube or, uh, or something like that, you're losing, you will lose a little bit of quality. You will lose a little bit of quality. Now, here's the, let's see. Here's the tweet, because I'm not on Twitter anymore, but here's the actual tweet as a picture of it. Mick Gordon is a far more talented audio engineer than me. It's not even close, and that's what makes that this especially frustrating. I expect much better from him. Again, the music itself is phenomenal, but this mix on the official soundtrack is frankly terrible. Mick Gordon, composer Mick Gordon officially responds, I didn't mix those and wouldn't have done that. You'll be able to small... You'll be able to spot the small handful of tracks I mixed, Meat Hook, Command and Control, etc. Um, his the reason his the name of his songs in there are basically it's like soundtrack. It's it's they're like soundtrack like names. So let's see. Mm. He doesn't sound too impressed, suggesting that he wasn't involved in the decision. Following this, a fan allegedly reached out to the composer on Instagram, which they shared on Reddit. Reddit asking if he'd work with, uh, with id Software on future Dooms. Quote, doubt we'll be working together again, he said. I reached out to Gordon to get more details on the mix and his relationship with id Software, ID Software, and Bethesda. I take a lot of pride in my work, Gordon told me. It's all I do. It's all I have, and I pour my heart and soul into it. And I agree with him on that. I've seen that shit. He added that he's still trying to understand the situation himself and has no further comments at this time. As well as composing Doom and Doom Eternal soundtrack, Gordon was behind the music on both modern Wolfensteins along with other games. So hopefully that won't put him off because believe me, if they're, they're going to make another Doom and it would be a freaking shame if he decided he wasn't going to work with id Software anymore to compose the soundtrack because some, public, because some big budget assholes over at Bethesda decided to bring in somebody else to butcher the soundtrack and compress it. You don't want to do that. Uh, especially with a diehard fan base like a Doom Eternal or the video game people like that. So that was a that was a poor decision on uh that was a poor decision on Bethesda's friggin' um on Bethesda's part to do that. Compressing audio for, basically just trying to I think they were just trying to push it out or maybe not pay him, but either way, you brought in somebody else to, comp and they ended up compressing the work, and you couldn't, and you heard less quality. Just this is what happens when big companies think they know better, or they're trying to save money, or something to that effect, than the person who actually made, made, you know, the person who made the sausage. They fucked it up. So Bethesda, you fucked up. You need to own up to it. You need to apologize to Mick Gordon. I doubt they will, because that's how that's how big companies work. The communication's never there. So, let's see, after 5.30, sorry. There we go. There we go. Sorry, I'm, uh, I'm making money, so I'm trying to uh, be in contact with all my clients and purchasers and stuff like that. I'm on a super tight schedule, so. Anyways, let's move on here. So, yeah, okay. So, Bethesda took somebody else's work, degraded it, and then tried to put it out as the official soundtrack. 
So not a smart decision on their part. They need to be called out for that. However, they still have an opportunity right here to save face, especially when you're you don't don't fuck with people with creatives. It's important that you don't do that. And it annoys me when large companies do that. And I said whenever there was um whenever there was some shit that a large company would do on Sunday, I said I'd go after them and call them out and be like, "Listen, you did something stupid. You need to be called out for that." And I'm not going to hide behind even if, for example, if I don't know, let's see, is there a company that would that that fucking pisses me off? Or the comp- no, is there a company out there that I love? Let's see. Uh, Aroma Joe's. Say Aroma Joe's did some really shitty stuff. And even though I drink a ton of them, and I love them, I love their customer service, everything like that. If they did something really shitty, I'd have to call them out on that. I'd have to do that. I can't just not let it sit there and be like, uh, blah, blah, you know, I can't speak. No, no. Company, a company or a nonprofit that I work with or a client that I work with does something shitty. They need to be held accountable. They need to do something really shitty. Actually, you know what? Here's a... Okay. You want to see something cool? Here's a company doing the right... A large corporate company doing the right thing. Bethesda did the right thing. They fucked over Mick Gordon. Okay? Here's a a version of that where the company did the right thing. I actually have the article right here. And this has to do with Shake Shack. Now, as you know right now, there's a lot of companies out there getting loans from the federal government... uh, because, well, their doors aren't open. And they're getting these large, like, large, like, we're talking like $10 million government loans. But some small businesses aren't getting those loans. They're getting denied or delayed for some silly reason. Well, Shake Shack, which has like 270 locations and a ton of employees, they got ten million. They got a $10 million loan. Well, not, not a lot of other companies did. So Shake Shack, trying to figure out what they were going to do, because they applied, like everybody else, just because they could. They thought they were entitled to it, so they tried. Cool. But here's what the, here's what happened. I'm going to get the article. I picked the Yahoo News one, which is fine. It's one of the largest. Shake Shack, which I have yet to try, which I really do want to. They're a burger place. They're a burger joint. Um, they're one of the several large chains that got the federal loan through the coronavirus stimulus law. I mean, we're talking millions of dollars, billions of dollars. Excuse me. And... So they got this meant to, help, meant to help small businesses, even though they're not really a small business, but, you know, technicalities. They got $10 million. Well, they're giving it back. So the New York-based burger company is among more than a dozen companies with annual revenues in the hundreds of millions that are reported to have received m- money from the Paycheck Protection Program. Set aside $349 billion in the stimulus law called the CARES to Act to help small businesses to keep their workers you know, not laid off on the payroll. Hey, I know where our doors are closed, but our employees are still going to get paid. Well, the government laid out a loan thingy to help these businesses continue to pay their employees. Um, so Danny Mayer, who's the Shake Shack founder and CEO of its parent company, Union Square Hospitality Group, and the Shake Shack CEO, blah, 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 said the company pursued the loan because the law stipulated that it was open to any restaurant location with no more than 500 employees which describes Shake Shack's 189 individual U.S. restaurants. Uh, Came with no user, the PPP or whatever they're calling it, came with no user manual. Very confusing. So the uh, the program offered to forgive the loans if recipients rehired furloughed and laid off workers by June. And because Shake Shack and its parent company had already furloughed hundreds of employees, they said, they gambled that 
the best chance of keeping our teams working off the unemployment line and hiring them off, hiring them back, our furloughed and laid off employees would be to apply now and hope things would be clarified in time. But they said they had no idea that the fund would drive so quickly. So after they were able to secure the separate funding last week, they decided to just return it, give it back $10 million. So that um, the other restaurants, other restaurants that really needed it, because $10 million is not a lot of money to, to maybe Shake Shack. Well, it's, well, $10 million is still $10 million. You give me $10 million, I'm fucking, re- I'm, I'm retired with life. I'm going right to like part-time per se. Um, I'm buying, you know, a half a million dollar ho- home by the fucking ocean. I'm done. See ya. Um, but they decided to return the $10 million and yeah, our benefit, our, our people would benefit from the $10 million loan, but we're fortunate to have access to capital where others don't, where small businesses don't, they do. So until every restaurant that needs it, uh, we're returning ours. So that's what happens when a big corporate company does the right thing. Or I guess in this situation does something to benefit other, uh, hopefully, hopefully benefit other restaurants and other small businesses that really do need it. Speaking of uh, restaurants that re- or restaurants in my area that really did need it, uh, there's a little restaurant a little restaurant that has a lot of history called the Red Arrow Diner. It's a 24-7 diner that I've been to, and I've had late-night meals there, uh, pre-party meals. I've seen fist fights there. It's just this place that's open all night, and it usually gets packed by, like, 1 o'clock in the morning. And um, they just returned to... They were closed for a while, and now they've returned to, like, curbside delivery 24-7. 24-7 takeout curbside delivery, and I actually like their food. That's the thing. As many complaints as I've heard, they have a place right down the road from me that's now going twenty. That's now back at it at twenty four seven, and I'm super happy about it. And I mean, I don't know. I just I just thought it was really cool that they're back, and I've never had an issue with them per se. Mm. So I wanted to start off by immediately uh, building on the promise that I made about going after companies that are doing wrong. But I also, after that, wanted to applaud companies that are doing right. And then with this other company, this restaurant opening 24-7, doing what they can. Doing what they can. So that's actually pretty cool. Also, one more article. And then, actually, well, I started this whole podcast off by talking about a computer that I almost threw up a roof. But that's okay. We're at 31 minutes. Let me do one more article, and then let's get right to Q&A. So, I sound like I'm doing coke. Oh, my internet's working. Oh, that's amazing. I couldn't happier. Couldn't be happier. Uh, okay. Skate park. Really? We're going to do this one? All right. Uh, I, w- I did get a little complainy that um, I felt like we're being oppressed. And nobody oppresses their people more than the state of California, where apparently uh, they were to enforce social distancing... They took a skate ramp, those little skate pools, and they filled it full of sand in like San Jose, which is fucking brilliant. I mean, that's such a brilliantly big asshole thing to do. They filled it so that nobody would skate there. Well, all the skaters and the dirt bikers went over there with shovels and dug the thing back out so that the skaters could go ahead and be, you know, do their thing. And I find it amazing that in California, that's the one thing you focus on to enforce social distancing. And where the mayor of freaking Los Angeles rewards people for snitching on other uh, residents, that they're going to go ahead and spend their time, uh, you know, filling skate parks full of dirt. Okay, where there I've been in, I've been to Southern California, where there are fucking toilets, used toilets all over the highway, and they've got 
70,000 homeless people each giving each other fucking draconian types uh type of type illnesses like typhus and shit okay fucking completely polluting the streets and you have San Francisco people shitting all over the sidewalks that the one the more important thing is enforce social distancing by pouring dirt at a skate park that's the one thing you definitely want to focus on that's the one thing you want to pay people to do that's fucking great with all the regulations there in that bullshit state so I mean first of all good on the skate park kids to uh, actually do something uh, actually no, just kudos to them in general because right now I'm I'm more of the point where let's just fucking let's just start opening up everything. Let's give everybody corona. I really don't care. Uh I want shit open and right now with I, I that shit annoys me. That shit definitely does annoy me. Let the skaters skate. I really don't care. I really don't fucking care. Let them skate. And I like that the communities are coming together as far as like, hey, the dirt bikers are helping out the skateboard kids. They All they want to do is skateboard. That's all they've ever wanted to do is skateboard. So let them fucking skateboard. Don't be assholes and go out there and fill it full of dirt. That's just such a douchey thing to do. Such a douchey thing to do. If I, and if you're broke, if your freaking supervisor calls you to fill up the dirt, fill that place full of dirt, I wouldn't pick up the phone. I would not pick up the phone. I think that's an asshole thing to do. So what are we at? Thirty-four minutes. Sorry, I'm I'm my, I'm mentally not all here today because this internet thing is pissing me the fuck off. But thankfully, because of my trusty dusty cell phone, uh, I am able to look up Q and A via my uh, phone. So I'm gonna go ahead and get right to. Let's see, we did do maternal, we did Shake Shack uh, survey. Yeah, I don't trust surveys from colleges. That's for damn sure. So let's go ahead and get right to the Q and A. We'll go right through these very, very carefully. Uh, what are we at? 34 minutes? Okay, let's keep going. Okay. Well, hold on. One more sip. Mm. Do, 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 do. I'm fucking distracted. Is it too late for me to tell my partner? Huh? <laughs> Sorry. Is it too late for me to tell my remote business partner I just had a baby? I'm self-employed and had a baby a few weeks ago. I'm supposed to work on a project that was supposed to launch. I'm working on a project that was supposed to launch earlier this year, but now has been pushed back to summer. I never told my remote business partner I was pregnant because I didn't want to be the reason to push the launch date. And also I figured he might not think I was as committed to the project once I had a baby. We only touch base every few weeks, so we're not especially close. Now the baby is here, it feels weird not to mention her. Since I'm working from home, you can hear her noises in the background. I'm pretty sure he thinks it's a cat. Yeah, I'm sure that's exactly what he thinks. Uh, on our last call, he mentioned that I was fortunate I don't have to deal with kids at the moment in time, but I do. Is it late for me? Is it too late for me to mention that I have a baby? I feel anxious that he could mis misconstrue my omission as a lack of trust in personally. Maybe I just never say anything. It's not like he needs to know. Uh, let's see. Okay, so you got into a you got into an uh, an important venture to and and then you got pregnant and then you had a baby and you never told him. Well, okay. I guess at this point, I, here's the simple thing. You could always let sleeping dogs lie. However, if this does, well, 
Yeah, you have to tell them. You got to tell this person. I mean, you you pushed the date of the release on this project due to the fact that you had personal shit. Um, you could have just you could have told them that. You just you can't make the lies any bigger than they already are. You got to tell the truth, even if the, even if he mistakes it as like, yeah, you're not as committed. Well, then you at least know where you. People have to start telling the truth a little bit more. You had a fucking kid. Don't make him, don't take the insult, don't take it as an insult that he said, well, it's good that you don't have to deal with kids, especially right now. Well, you kind of do. And that's on you for not telling that person that because of the fact that you did have a kid and you didn't mention it to him. It's still on you no matter what you say. Um, so that's on you. You should probably tell him that so that he can better prepare for this project that you're working on in general. You need to tell people that. It is important. This isn't telling people... Yeah, it, it, it's important that you tell him that. That Look, I kind of I, I kind of pushed uh, this thing as far as I can, but it turns out, yeah, I do have a kid. I didn't want you to think that I wasn't committed, but uh, I'm going to balance this the best I can and make sure that this project gets out on time. And just You have to be sincere. And as long as you're sincere, you have a really good chance of this thing just kind of washing over and things going back to some kind of normal. We all have projects and, and, and challenges in, in our own personal life that may or may not get in the way of the projects or our professional life, but you have to be honest about it, and if it needs to be brought up, you bring it up, and then you work around it, or you work through it, or something to that effect. But you can't let other people suffer because of your own personal problems. You can't do that. It's just not going to work. All right, so let's see. Let's get to the next Q&A. Can't believe I have to do this on my freaking cell phone. Should I apologize for accidentally flashing my work team on a video call? After a video t uh, video team meeting today, I hung up the call and proceeded to get undressed for a shower. After a few seconds, when I significant okay, <laughs> Jesus Christ, when I was significantly but not completely undressed, I noticed that the app had frozen and was still open. The rest of my team had been staying on for a different meeting, so I prayed it had disconnected on that their end and closed it. At a meeting with our team later led at a meeting with our team lead later in the afternoon, she gently let me know that it had not disconnected and told me it wasn't a big deal. Obviously, I'm deeply mortified. She said he or she said deeply. And basically I want to die right now. Well, it depends. Was it a cold day? <laughs> Should I reach out to the other team members and offer an explanation slash apology? Also, can you tell me that somebody, everyone will forget this happened and okay, look. Shit happens. Actually, you know what? So they saw you naked? Well, if they got a good show, then don't apologize. However, if you shit yourself uh, on a conference call, then you know what? Then you need to say something. If you fucked up that bad that you blew out your jeans, then you need to say something and be like, listen, I fucked up royally. Uh, that's on me. But... At that point, I remember once I was at a job and I was getting ready for a show. Like, because like, I, I, you guys used to, may or may or not know from my articles or whatnot. I, I did competitive fitness. I've done like seven shows and you have to check, you have to, you know, do mirror checks like every week. And sometimes you're posing and you're checking yourself throughout the day or you're checking yourself every Friday and you're seeing how your, your dryness and how your weight, your fat loss, because you got to look shredded on stage. You got to look dried out. So a couple weeks before a show, I mean, I was at work and I was in the, I was at work and I was in the, I was in a bathroom and I thought I locked the door. Well, here's the problem with when you do these shows, 
your weight loss makes you real kind of stupid and forgetful. Um, and I just ripped my shirt off really quick in the bathroom and just checked myself out in the mirror and I was looking pretty good, but apparently not as good as the girl that walked in on me while I was checking out my posing and my abs and stuff. And she just turned around and she just goes, Oh my God, turns around and walks out. And I was like, shit, I've been had, but in either case, um, in either case, yeah, it was just it didn't pan. It, it was just one of those embarrassing moments. But did I go and apologize? No, I didn't make any big of a deal than it other always and than it already was. And um, that was pretty much that was that was pretty much it. So yeah, I mean, sorry, I'm distracted. I just got a text. Fucking a. This is what happens. You get. Um, let me just say, I'm just finishing finishing my podcast. You can come in 20 minutes. There. There we go. See? That's how you do shit. Just trying to be transparent here. I have a bunch of people who are buying some stuff from me. Not weed or drugs. Just don't get any ideas. And I'm trying to communicate with them. And other people are other people have busy schedules, and I need to let them know. I can't just ghost them, even though I'm recording the podcast. Well, most people can fucking wait for the most part. If they're spending money on me, then okay, that's different. Or spending money for, for me. Yeah, okay. Um, let's see. Okay. Okay. All right. So anyways. All right. So yeah, I got, I've been caught in that situation, but I've never been caught via a, a, a teleconference or something like that. That's, that's rugged. All right. In your situation, if, if it wasn't life altering, hey, okay. What did they see? Like a titty or something? All right. No big deal. If they, if you're a dude, okay. If you're a dude, get over it, get over it. No big deal. There ain't nothing special there. Um, as far as, as far as like if you're a girl, as far as if you're a girl, then if you didn't if you didn't like pee yourself or you weren't diddling yourself in the shower or something like that, then you would just forget it. Just let sleeping dogs lie, and and that'll be that. And first of all, if if those coworkers say, mention something to somebody else at your workplace, they're shitty people. They sh- they're shitty people, and they should just not. Yeah. First of all, they shouldn't mention anything because that's an HR issue and they would end up getting sat down and fired for that. So uh, don't really stress over it. Don't apologize. Apologize to your team lead and your supervisor for being fucking, what do you call it, uh, empty-headed about the incident. But as far as your other coworkers, let them fucking get over it. All right, what do we have, 43 minutes? I know I'm, I'm trying to uh, stay on task here. So let's keep, let's keep the party going. ETA 506, perfect, okay. Good. Money, 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 money. All right. What should I do after discovering that my boyfriend apparently stole photos from my apartment before we met? Oh, shit. I have been with my boyfriend, Alex, for two years. We're both men. Okay, whatever. I moved into his condo condo shortly before lockdown. Condo. And while it's been a weird time, things have been going really well. He seemed like the most perfect, lovely boyfriend, and I trusted him absolutely even if he's been a little possessive at times. <laughs> Here we go. Never anything that raised an alarm bell, though he's always been, seemed to be open to talking about my problems. Any problems. I was sorting through drawers in the bedroom after he told me I was welcome to rearrange things and I found an, an actual hidden compartment. Inside was an old cell phone of mine I thought had been lost or stolen over two years ago. It was fully charged and still logged into all my social media accounts. I don't know how, 
given that I deactivated way back when I was realized it was gone. There was a photo album that included a lot of snaps from my modeling portfolio back in college. This album had gone missing from my old apartment before I had even met my current boyfriend. I went into a state of shock, put them back, and said nothing to him when he came home. I changed all my social media passwords, but that's it. I have no idea how to discuss this with him. Is there any possible reason, reasonable explanation for what I had found? Am I right to be as completely terrified by this as I am? Yeah, you should completely. Yeah, the perfectly logical explanation, the per- perfectly logical explanation for this is that your boyfriend is a fucking psycho. Your boyfriend is a sociopath and this can only get worse from here. And yeah, you said he's a little possessive. Well, that's going to explain that perfectly. You need to get out. You need you need to get out. I I don't I don't care. You need to get out of the apartment. Um, you great. First thing you did was change all your social media accounts. First of all, that's a red flag. Cause if you change one, that's one thing. If you change all of them, that's a red flag. So to anybody, once you change all of them, that means they're suspicious and that shit's going to get weird in the household. So the first thing you need to do is grab all that you can and leave. The next time you go there, you go there with a police presence to collect your belongings, but you can't go back there anymore. There, it can only get weirder from there. And In my opinion, I don't want things to become more dangerous for you than they already could be. And the old photo album, the fact that he has access to, if he has access to your social media, then he has access to all kinds of information. You don't know what else he has access to. I don't know if a restraining order is possible in this situation, but the fact is is that your boyfriend here, and hopefully your soon-to-be ex-boyfriend, is a fucking psycho. So go and find yourself another man Um and where do you live? Does it say where you meet? Well, there's probably... Hey, whatever. It, I mean, as long as you don't live in Mississippi, there's plenty of other dudes that you can date. Um, so, and the fact is, is that, yeah, he needs... You need to get out. You need to get somewhere else as soon as possible and then go there with some type of strong presence, maybe police officer to collect your belongings. Uh, it doesn't matter how complicated things are. This is pretty black and white as far as I'm concerned. You need to get out and you need to get out now. I wish you all the best, but as far as having access to other people's accounts, I don't care if you're fucking married. I wouldn't even let have, have somebody have access to my bank. So fuck that noise. Uh, you need to get out. So that's pretty much it. All right, here's the next one. Am I a jerk for dating my ex's dad and then clearing out my ex's bedroom? I moved in with my significant other of two years after my pay was reduced in February due to everything that's been happening, and it didn't make financial sense for me to live in my own apartment anymore. My, let's see. So it was my ex-boyfriend's dad. I'm now living in a home where my ex-boyfriend grew up. My ex doesn't visit the house at all. I suggested to my SO. Oh, SO. Okay, so let me reread this since I'm an idiot. My significant other is my ex-boyfriend's dad, and I'm now living in the home where my ex-boyfriend grew up. My ex doesn't visit the house at all. I suggested to my significant other that we should move everything out of my ex's childhood room. Let me use it to store some of my stuff, and let me use it as my personal office slash lounging room. My significant other agreed. So I boxed up everything in my ex-boyfriend's childhood's room and moved them to the garage, including the furniture. I redecorated the room and made it mine. Before I even moved his things, I emailed my ex about this and told him he should come by and take a look at what he wants to keep or sell or don't. Okay. After not hearing from him for three weeks, today he texts me calling me all sorts of names for clearing out and taking his room. I'm really trying to be sensitive and nice here, but he's making this very difficult with his rage-filled outbursts and texts. Why does my ex feel like he owns his childhood room when he doesn't even visit it? It's very sad and bizarre. Okay. 
this is a toughie, but I'm going to parse through it. Once you leave a house to go to college, or once you just leave a house that you that's not yours, it's not your home anymore. I know it sucks to leave your parents' house and move on to other things, and that's your room. It's not your room. It's it's not your room. That stuff, however, is your stuff. So if you had thrown out the shit, you'd be the twat in this situation. But because you offered, you were the bigger person in this situation because you offered. I'm going to forgo the whole thing about, okay, you're dating your ex's dad. I'm not going down that road. Okay, I'm not going down that road. You did, however, offer to put all this stuff out there. You take it. You didn't throw it out. You offered that. Cool on you. So that's number. That's kudos number one. You offered to give him all of his stuff. You didn't break it, burn it, trash it, mutilate it. Cool. The issue I have with the ex is that he's these outbursts and rage thingies are being done via text. And I have a huge issue with having emotional conversations or threats via text. That's just Twitter beer muscles. That's bullshit to me. I'm not a fan of anybody who tries to push aggression or emotion or try to have deep conversations via text because that just means you don't care about the actual conversation being had or you're just a pussy in general. So I have no respect for that situation as far as where he is coming from. It, I mean, I, yeah. It is weird that you are dating the, the ex-boyfriend's husband, uh, uh, dad, but I'm not going down that situation because if you truly care about this person uh, that you're staying with, even though it was because you moved in due to, well, you know, cuts in your cash flow, all right, fine. As long, but if you're trying to do everything you can to make it work, there, that's one thing. And he offered for you to move in, so that's another. Um, you're trying to make the most of it. I, I get it. I get it. It's tough out there right now for a pimp. But his texts about being pissy, uh, maybe he's not stable and maybe he needs a place to fall back to if shit really does hit the fan for him. But like I said, you can't go home again. You really can't, especially in this situation. So the fact is is that he's got to come get his shit and thankfully his shit is still in one piece and that you were at least you know cool enough to take care of it and bring it to him and it, as long as you weren't cheating on him with his uh, dad, that would be scummy. That would be a scummy thing to do. So as long as you weren't doing that, we're cool here. Um, but if you were doing that, then you and I have to have a different level of discussion here. Because if you said, if you were fucking this other dude, and then you dumped that guy... and. Uh, if you were fucking another dude, dumped your boyfriend for the new guy that you were already fucking, and then took his shit, and then put it out in the garage and said, come and get it, then you're the piece of shit in this scenario. Because, well, I've been through that. But uh, we're not hitting that level, at least not in this situation. So uh, the boyfriend needs to stop it with the text messaging shit, because that's that's some low-level uh, you know, TikTok DM garbage. All right. Is this the last one for the day? Well, let's just keep going. Fuck it. How can I shut down the mutual attraction between me and my brother-in-law while we're quarantining together? How do I? Let's just keep going. Because of the coronavirus, I'm staying in my late mother's home with my husband, my, his brother and his wife and our young children. This seemed like a good idea so we could share choirs, share chores and childcare. Two of us are still working from home full time. But the situation has become uncomfortable for me because I'm extremely attracted to my brother-in-law. I had hoped this feeling would die down, 
but it has got worse, and over the past three weeks, I've become aware that he seems to be lusting after me. My husband and I rarely have sex, owing to his lack of interest, which is set in our which is which set in after our second child was born so i'm frustrated and afraid that something is going to happen or that others in the house will pick up on the vibe between us how can i stop this feeling you need to bring it up with the uh brother-in-law so just you have to be like listen can i talk to you okay i guess in this situation i'm going to try to offer a solution that many of you may not agree with you need to bring this up with the brother-in-law and be like listen we can't fuck it's not a good idea it, um, however, you also need to bring up the fact to your husband that, hey, we ain't fucking. Why we ain't fucking? Please tell me why. And this is another thing that downfall of marriages. Are you not attractive anymore? What's the deal with that? Something needs to be resolved in that situation regarding you and your husband not getting after it anymore. But at the same time, you also need to bring this up with your brother-in-law that this situation cannot happen under the under the stressful circumstances because this is how bad sh- even worse shit happens because his brother his wife and young children around this can't happen you need to defuse that situation and then bring up with your husband who is supposed to be with you for better or for worse the situation the elephant in the room that's what i would that's how what i would advise however you need to also at the same time Avoid being alone with the other guy. I don't know if I would bring up the whole brother-in-law thing uh, with your husband, but you need to bring that shit up with the brother-in-law and tell him to put his package away. Uh, All right, last one for the day. I need to calm down here. Why hasn't everybody thanked me? Is this the last one? Yeah. Why hasn't anyone thanked me for my very popular cultural events? After a long career in the public eye and at age 74, I am withdrawing from most public activity to enjoy some years traveling with my wife and contemplating nature. You sound like a fucking weirdo. This means that the serious and very popular cultural events I produce must end to the regret of the community. No one else is really able to continue the work. The events have been major cultural and social success. What kind of fucking paranoid asshole are you? I have been asked several times how I feel about the sum of my experiences. Each time I asked, I consciously, conscientiously restrain myself from remarking that only twice in the past years I've been have I been personally thanked in any way for any of the complimentary tickets I distributed. I distribute lavishly. And I received two separate thank you notes from the same person. I was never motivated by a desire for personal credit. I have interest in spreading bad fe- I have no interest in spreading bad feelings, but since I am not you, is there any way I can make a comment or take some action to let others know that it's polite to express gratitude or do I remain silent politely? You remain silent politely. Just keep doing what you can do as far as, you know, being polite and be the strong, solid type in this situation. I know you're 74, and guess what? Artists and public figures, a lot of them, they die uncredited, unappreciated, especially artists. Their value only goes up after they're dead. In this situation, I would just probably keep your mouth shut. Just go enjoy your time. If people didn't appreciate your work, maybe they'll appreciate it a couple years from now. And somebody will write a big article about you. Or maybe they'll want to do a bio or something. I don't know idea who, the, who you are. But whoever you are, hey, you know what? Whoever you are, thank you for whatever the hell you did. Thank you for whatever the hell you did if it was a big deal. And that's that. Right off into the sunset. At the end of the day, there's, there's, I, that's not one thing to be regretful about. There are plenty of things in life that you can be regretful about. This isn't one of them. Sometimes you just got to chill out and be like, all right, I did all I can. Maybe not everybody saw it or maybe not everybody appreciated it. 
but we're in a we're in like a five minute news cycle a day full of bullshit. Nobody, and especially right now, people aren't thinking about giving people credit right now, except for like nurses and public servants and shit. You know, people who get me coffee. But for the most part, they're not. This is not a time for. There are people out there that are really missing that have missed a lot. You know, college players who didn't get get, get didn't get to go to the sweet uh to didn't get to go to the big dance for college playoffs graduation, baby showers, all kinds of shit. They got their own stuff. As far as you being thanked right now, you need to park that shit because you're going to find it's going to backfire on you. Um, I'm still young in the game, so I can take the ridicule. But you at age 74, you're not going to take it very well. So I advise you to just kind of let it be right now. Maybe in time when right now the present situation kind of dies down and everybody starts to be like, oh, woe is, where, where, what's his face go? What's her face? Excuse me. I don't know who you are. You're a public figure. Or maybe, well, not that public, apparently. <laughs> In time, when your shit is missed, you will be appreciated more. Until then, with, you're withdrawing from the public eye, traveling with your wife. We wish you all the best, whoever you are. Good luck on your endeavors. Whatever your work was, I'm sure it was cool. But you don't have to stay silent. You do you. But if you, I would think you should. Just kind of chill out, go enjoy yourself, and good luck to you. Anyways, we are at 57 minutes. Uh, I'm going to close the podcast. I don't know how I pulled this one off. But, hey, that's what we do every week. We figure out a way to make shit work, and I advise you all to do the same. Until then, you, you can subscribe to this channel by going to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Podcast Addict, iHeartRadio, CastBox, Spotify, all the freaking, you can find this podcast anywhere where podcasts are available with the exception of China. You can go to my YouTube channels, Positive Sarcasm and Positive Sarcasm Podcast. If you have questions, comments, concerns, coffee remarks, you can go to PositiveSarcasm.com and contact me there. You can go to PositiveSarcasm at Outlook.com and email me directly. Questions, concerns, comments, blah, 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 blah. I'm also going to drop at the end of this podcast... A, uh, a song that was mixed by Mick Gordon from the new Doom Eternal soundtrack because I think it is some of the best metal that I've ever heard. It is that ridiculous uh, that I don't care. It has no lyrics. It's just riff. It's just riff. So I'm going to park that at the end here as my appreciation to Mick Gordon and all the hard work he put into a game that I played as a child and the one I'm I'm loving right now. I just got. I finally just started playing Doom 2016 and I am totally into it. What a welcome back to playing video games. So until then, you can find me on the social medias. You can go ahead and email me. You can hit me up on my website. You guys you guys have been awesome. Thank you all the new subscribers. If you want to support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Um, man, fucking awesome. Fucking awesome. And so anyways, I got to go to work. I got more money to make and I got more shit to do. Clients to, to you know cater to and all that other happy jazz. It's real, folks. 2020 is actually becoming my year for the most part. Uh, this other bullshit, they'll, it'll be taken care of in, in time. But until then, uh, I will hope you guys, if you uh, are unemployed, um, go work at the grocery store. Do whatever you can to get through it. These hard times are going to make you a stronger person. And I wish you all the best. But until then, uh, streaming uh, pre-recorded from the Spare Parts Studios. I will talk to you all in a few days. This has been a positive sarcasm presentation. Hit it, Mick!
Go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate.